Well, this morning we are here to ask a simple question, and that question is this, what now? What now? You have accomplished great feats, one of which is simply graduating, graduating college, graduating high school. You have studied, you have passed your tests, you have met the requirements that were set before you, and you have had someone speak over you that you have met those requirements, and you were granted a piece of paper that says you have met those requirements and that you are a graduate. Graduate, But the question becomes, what now? Now that I've done all of that, now that I can take a breath and sit back, now that the rest of my life is before me, whether I'm a college graduate or a high school graduate, what now? What now? If you have your Bibles this morning, I'm going to ask you to turn to Judges chapter 4. And as we get started, we're going to read all of... Judges chapter 4, the whole chapter. So I'm going to ask you for your patience as we read through this. And graduates, I want you to pay special attention to an extraordinary woman, one that we don't know much about other than a couple of chapters in Judges. Amen? Judges chapter 4 simply says this, beginning at verse 1. When Ehud was dead, the children of Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord. So the Lord sold them into the hand of Jabin, king of Canaan, who reigned in Hazor. The commander of his army was Sisera, who dwelt in Herosheth, Hagoyim. And the children of Israel cried out to the Lord, for Jabin had 900 chariots of iron. And for 20 years he harshly oppressed the children of Israel. Now Deborah... A prophetess, the wife of Lapidus, was judging Israel at the time. And she would sit under the palm tree of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the mountains of Ephraim. And the children of Israel came up to her for judgment. Then she sent and called for Barak, the son of Abinoam, from Kedesh in Naphtali, and said to him, has not the Lord God of Israel commanded, saying, Go and deploy troops at Mount Tabor. Take with you 10,000 men of the sons of Naphtali and the sons of Zebulun. And against you I will deploy Sisera, the commander of Jabin's army with his chariots and his multitude at the river Kishon, and I will deliver him into your hand. And Barak said to her, If you will go with me, then I will go. But... <clears throat> If you will not go with me, I will not go. So she said, I will surely go with you. Nevertheless, there will be no glory for you in your journey you are taking. For the Lord will sell Sisera into the hand of a woman. Then Deborah arose and went with Barak to Kadesh. And Barak called Zebulun and Naphtali to Kadesh. He went up with 10,000 men under his command, and Deborah went up with him. Now Haber, the Kenite of the children of Hobab, the father-in-law of Moses, had separated himself from the Kenites and pitched his tent near the Terebinth tree at Zaanaim, which is beside Kadesh. And they reported to Sisera and, and that Barak, the son of 
Abinoam had gone up to Mount Tabor. Verse 13. So Sisera gathered together all his chariots, 900 chariots of iron, and all the people who were with him from Herosheth Hagoyim to the river Kishon. Then Deborah said to Barak, Up! For this is the day which the Lord has delivered Sisera into your hand. Has not the Lord gone out before you? So Barak went down from Mount Tabor with 10,000 men following him. And the Lord routed Sisera and all his chariots and all his army with the edge of the sword before Barak. And Sisera alighted from his chariot and fled away on foot. But Barak pursued the chariots and the army as far as Herosheth, Hagoyim, and all the army of Sisera fell by the edge of the sword. Not a man was left. However, Sisera fell by the edge of the sword. Sisera fled away on foot to the tent of Jael, the wife of Haber, the Kenite, for there was peace between Jabin, king of Hazor, and the house of Heber, the Kenite. And Jael went out to meet Sisera and said to him, Turn aside, my lord, turn aside to me, do not fear. And when he had turned aside with her into the tent, she covered him with a blanket. Then he said to her, Please give me a little water to drink, for I am thirsty. So she opened a jug of milk, gave him a drink, and covered him. And he said to her, verse 20, Stand at the door of the tent, and if any man comes and inquires of you and says, Is there any man here? You shall say, No. Then Jael, Haber's wife, took a tent peg and took a hammer in her hand and went softly to him and drove the peg into his temple. And it went down into the ground, for he was fast asleep and weary, so he died. And then Barak pursued Sisera, Jael, came out to meet him and said to him, Come, I will show you the man whom you seek. And when he went into her tent, there lay Sisera dead with the peg in his temple. So on that day God subdued Jabin, king of Canaan, in the presence of the children of Israel. And the hand of the children of Israel grew stronger and stronger against Jabin, king of Canaan, until they had destroyed Jabin, king of Canaan. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of his word. Amen. Now that's a long story about a woman named Deborah. My family and I, we went, most of us, to see a movie the other day. And uh, it was a pretty good movie, Wonder Woman. I don't know if anyone's seen that yet. I was anticipating Wonder Woman coming out. You know, she's a good actress, Wonder lady who plays Wonder Woman. And uh, my daughter would say she just is a you know beautiful woman. That's why you wanted to see it. But as Moses uh, kind of gives me the eye, but she's she's a good actress. And uh, we saw the movie, and there was a scene in the movie that stood out to me. Diana Prince. Uh, which is her real name. Actually, she's Diana the Princess, but they called her Diana Prince. She found herself in a room full of men. This was during the Second World War in England. And this was a room full of men that were strategizing on how they could win this war and what they needed to do and where they needed to put their troops and all of that. And she found herself in this room, and she was the only woman in the room. And the men in the room looked up and they saw her in the room. And they said, 
what is a woman doing in here? What's this woman doing in this room? We're trying to strategize. We're military leaders. We're political leaders. We're the men. What's this woman doing in the room? Not knowing that they were standing in the presence of perhaps the greatest warrior of their time. Greater than any warrior they had in any of their armies. Not knowing the power that was in the room. But Diana Prince didn't use her knowledge at that time. She didn't use her power. Perhaps being offended in that way or talked about or put down, maybe she wanted to grab her shield and bop a couple of them on side the head. Maybe she wanted to pull out the golden lasso and pull one onto the floor and say, how you like me now? What do you mean, what is a woman doing in here? But she didn't do that. For it was them that she was fighting for. No, she waited till the right time, and then she unleashed all that she had on her enemies until she was victorious. Yet in that room, on that day, she possessed all of the power and all of that knowledge But you see, she wasn't there just to impress a bunch of old, crotchety men. Come on. Nor was she there to use her gifts without purpose. She had a greater vision in mind. There are defining moments in your life. And often, they are not when you achieve great victory. Often, these defining moments are when you make a choice. And the definition is not in the action of victory, but the definition of the defining moment was way back when you had a resolve in your choice. I face some medical difficulty. So I have some resolve in my choice where I'm going to eat better and maybe exercise. I am tired of living a life in debt and living paycheck to paycheck. So I make a resolve in my life that I'm going to do something about it. I'm going to stop digging the hole that I'm in. I'm in a relationship that's a bad relationship and this guy doesn't want to marry me yet. He wants other things. I don't know what they might be, but I'm tired of going through this. And so I make a choice and I resolve in that choice to move forward in my life. Whatever your choice might be, the resolve of that choice is where the defining moment is in your life. Perhaps there are those today who face a choice in their life that you have to make. That very simple choice may be a defining moment in your life. These graduates on this stage face such a moment. You may be facing a moment in your life, maybe there's a choice you have to make, and the definition absolutely won't be in the action, but it'll be in the choice. That's where it begins. Israel was oppressed by Jabin and his armies for 20 years. As far as Israel was concerned, Jabin was undefeatable. 
He was undefeatable. He possessed a powerful army anchored by 900 chariots of iron. The helpless armies of Israel were no match for this enemy. They were conquered. Come on. They were a defeated people. They were a people without hope. The situation was critical. But it was their own fault. Because after the prophet Ehud, the judge Ehud died, the Bible says that Israel went back to their evil ways. Come on, somebody. But you will notice that they did not cry out in repentance. They cried out with a cry of deliverance from their problems. Israel never seemed to realize that walking with the Lord and honoring his word and his ways brought his blessings while rebellion and wickedness always brought his judgment. See, you can be armed with all of the knowledge and degrees in the world, but failing to press into the presence of God for his wisdom on how to use that knowledge you've attained always brings his protest instead of his presence. And so along comes Deborah, this woman. What is a woman doing here? You can imagine the time, a time where men seem to rule in a way of military leaders and political leaders and all of those types of decisions. There were men that judged Israel. There were men that called the shots. And here comes Deborah. What is this woman doing here? You'll find that despite what you've gained in knowledge, people will always question you along the way. Well, you graduated from high school in Bloomington. That's not that prestigious. You went to Anderson University. What knowledge could you have gained there? You went to the University of Indianapolis. How good is that? I use okay, but, you know, look at your age. I mean, you're now going back to school. What can you do? What can you do? Can you imagine? The Bible doesn't tell us, but can you imagine the questions that Deborah might have gotten? Look. Maybe God did put you in this position, but you need to just sit under this tree and don't make too much noise until God gives us a real judge. Maybe that's what they said to her. But you know what? Eventually, as she sat under that tree, people came to Deborah to get judged. All of the nation of Israel had to come before her if they wanted to get judged. And not only that, Deborah was not only a judge, which is prestigious in itself, but Deborah was a prophetess. If they wanted a word from the Lord, you had to go to Deborah. Come on. And so the power was in her hands. But Deborah acknowledged God. You'll notice that when you move from one level to another, as you do when you graduate. There are some things that the Lord will put upon you that people will question 
and they will come against. First thing we notice about Deborah, number one, is her position. The Bible is very clear that Deborah was both a prophetess and a judge. Her name means bee, and she was a very busy bee. Matthew Henry says that her very name suggests the work of a bee, industrious, sharp. She had great perception and discernment, great usefulness, sweetness to her friends, and sharpness to her enemies. The word prophetess suggests that she received direct revelation from the Lord. You're at a place now where you have a position that you can go right in to the Lord. I'm not saying that you don't need counsel any longer. I'm not saying that you don't ever need someone else to pray for you. But God wants you to know now that you have a direct line to me. I have opened it up. And if there is a question, I will never leave you or forsake you, the Lord is saying. Don't doubt yourself. Don't be concerned with what others question you about. God is saying, come to me, I'll give you the word. The second thing you notice about Deborah, as she led a whole nation in those dark days, was her prophecy. And I don't mean the prophecy that she received, but the prophecy that she was giving. Deborah received a word from the Lord and she calls in Barak to take 10,000 soldiers to war with the enemy. And the Lord promised to defeat Sisera, the Canaanite general. God promises a great victory if they will simply trust him and go to war. But what put this plan into motion is Deborah had to speak the word that the Lord gave to her. The Lord will put you in a position. People will question you. You stand strong. God will give you a word, but it's not a secret word for your heart. God gives you a word and you speak it, no matter what it sounds like. I know I'm 40 years old. I know I'm 45 years old, but God gave me a word and God is able to do it. We're talking about the God who stopped time so that Israel could get a victory. Come on. We're talking about... We're talking about the God who has the earth as his footstool. We're talking about a mighty God. We're talking about a God who blew his breath and two sides of a sea stood strong and straight and opened up so a people could go through. Don't tell me I don't have a word from the Lord. So you speak it out. Deborah spoke the word. I mean, these men were probably men who questioned her. We read the story and we think Deborah had it all together. But I guarantee you, during that time, if you look at it in context, I, be, I guarantee you the enemy was trying to bring fear. You are a woman judging a nation who is usually judged and led and given a word from the Lord by men. So she spoke the word out. And then... God will reveal to you your problem. Deborah had a problem. She received a word from the Lord. She shares the word with Barak. And she finds that Barak seems to be afraid to follow the word. Either he's afraid to follow the word 
or he's questioning her. You're telling me to go down and fight Sisera with all of these men, with all of these weapons, who fights for a king that has had his foot on our neck for 20 years, a king who is undefeatable, a king whom, if we look at funny, he might strike us. What is this woman doing in here? And I'm supposed to listen to you? Okay, I'll tell you what, Deborah. I'll go down there to fight, but only if you go. Come on, you go, Deborah. You go, and I'll go. What's he thinking? Maybe he's thinking, no, she's not. She's going to be afraid. She's a woman. Come on. She's going she's to say, no, that's okay. We'll just stay here. But you know what Deborah did? She said, yeah, absolutely. Because I have a word from the Lord, and I've spoken that word from the Lord. Now, I gave you an opportunity to go down and to receive the glory. But now I got to pull out my shield. I'm about to pull out my golden lasso. Come on now. My sword is on my back. Uh, things you didn't know. Because just because I was quiet don't mean that I don't have the weapons. And the weapons of our warfare are what? Mighty through God. They're not carnal. But know this, Barak. You had your opportunity and you will receive no glory in this victory. But you will fight. But because you questioned, not because he was afraid, because you question the word of the Lord and because you question the woman of God, you will receive no glory. That glory is going to come through a woman. Come on. What's this woman doing here? This woman is giving the word of the Lord. This woman is judging a nation because God has put you in that position. God has given you a prophecy. And yes, you have a problem, but you can overcome it. Continue to speak what God has told you. But God will always partner you up. Deborah's partner. And it may be the very one that is your problem. So her partner, Barak, and Israel go to war with Sisera and the Canaanites. Barak gets 10,000 of his own tribe of Naphtali and the neighboring tribe of Zebulun. Come on. Later, the ranks swell to 40,000. Why? Because she had a word from the Lord. And considering the fact that Israel really didn't have many weapons, they really didn't have a standing army, what Barak and Deborah did was an amazing act of faith. I said it was an amazing act of faith. Because after you speak the word, now you've got to begin to move out on the word. Now you did that some years ago when you made the decision to go to school, when you made the decision to finish school. But it's only a beginning, it's only a catalyst. Now it's time to step off of that soapbox. It's time to step out of the boat and begin to move. And so God partnered her, partnered her up with someone that doubted her. What you're going to have to realize in your life, that your very partner may be your problem. I'm not talking about your husband. I'm not talking about your best friend, 
but it could be the knowledge that you have. Come on. Very thing that God partners you up with could be your problem. But you've got to persevere. You've got to continue to go through. And then lastly, her peace. If you're able to understand the position that God puts you in, if you're able to receive the prophecy and give it out, the word that you receive from the Lord and give it out, if you're able to understand that, yes, there are hurdles to get through and hurdles to go over, and if you understand that God will set someone or something up with you to partner you with, and that very thing could even be your problem, if you're able to overcome those things, then the peace of God comes. After the victory was won, Deborah and Barak were able to sing a victory song. See, verse 15 tells us that God discomfited Sisera and his armies. And as they fought, God allowed the Kishon River to overflow its banks. The iron chariots of Sisera became stuck in the mud and the soldiers were swept away by the currents. All of the soldiers of Sisera were slain. And so, just like with Gideon, God may give you a word to go out there, well, how am I supposed to do this, God? Yeah, I got this degree, but everyone else has experience. They know a little more than me. They're the right gender. They're the right color. They're the right height. They're the right type. They're the right whatever it may be, and I'm not it. But you have something more powerful than they. You have a word from the Lord to stand on. And God is saying, if you will step out on that, I'll take the armies and make them get stuck in mud over here. You won't even see it. I'll make them begin to fight themselves and the doors will be open and you'll walk right through. But you have to understand that the door may be open over there, but until you step down off the soapbox and begin to walk over there, you'll never go through the door. What you've got to understand is you can stand right here, but the door may be open back there and it's not going to come to me. It doesn't work like that. You can't stand here and say, door open and take me through you by coming this way. You've got to go to it. You see, your time is just beginning. And so though you take a breath and you say, ah, I have accomplished this thing. I have this paper. I have this degree. Take your breath and realize that now the work begins. Because true education begins once you graduate. C.S. Lewis said this. He said that courage is not simply one of the virtues, but the form of every virtue at the testing point, which means at the point of the highest reality. What is he saying in that complicated little saying? He's saying that courage isn't simply something that you develop in your heart. But courage is the very foundation. And you need to understand that courage is not the absence of fear, but courage is to face fear and go through it. He also said that there are, listen to this now, a dozen views about everything until you know the answer, and then there's only one. Do what you know, and then you will know what to do. Don't sit back and allow life to happen to you. You happen to life. Amen. 
you happen to life. I was listening to a message some years ago, and it was simply titled this, You Can't Win Unless You're in the Game. You didn't get your degree to set up on the wall and say, now I have an accomplishment. Look at that thing. I can sit back now. I've done all my work. Your degree now is a catalyst for you to move into the greatness that God is placing you, to your position, to your prophecy. Yes, your problem, your partner, and your peace. Now you must understand that, yes, it is a new season. It's a new day for you. God has a word over your life. Don't look to the left or the right, and don't look back. It's a new season.